You already know that Illegal Pete's makes delicious, mission-style Mexican food. But did you know that Illegal Pete's uses its marketing funds to support Colorado creative talent that we love? We support the Denver Diatribe Podcast, the Grolix Comedy Showcase, Rocky Mountain Roller Girls, the Yellow Designs BMX Stunt Team, Apex Movement Parkour Team, the Underground Music Showcase, and more. We even have our own record label, The Greater Than Collective, with albums by The Epilogues, Snake Rattle Rattlesnake, Esme Patterson, Ian Cook, and comedian Ben Roy, and a starving artist program that feeds out-of-town bands traveling in Colorado for free. Illegal Pete's. We're more than just a restaurant. So, let us put our food and music and comedy and sports inside you. Please. Please. Denver, Denver, I'm from Denver, 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 I'm from Denver, 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 Hello and welcome to the Denver Diatribe, a weekly podcast of news, culture, and stuff as it pertains to Denver, Colorado. The city that never sleeps through the night without having to get up and pee. <laughs> I'm Josh Johnson. Joining me today at the D&F Clock Tower on 16th Street Mall are co-hosts Ron Doyle and Vanessa Martinez. And today we have what I believe is a diatribe first. On the show today, we have someone who gets paid to be behind the mic. So if our <laughs> guest, Corey Jones from uh, Open Air, enunciates better than we do, don't hold it against us. Good morning, everyone. You you guys can get up off your knees. You don't have to bow. It's okay. You can, you can take a seat. Now this is great, guys. Thanks for thanks for having me. And I was actually going to say, you know, when most people take a, a step away from the office, they try to escape their their normal routines. And yet here I am stepping away from a microphone in order to sit here and be in front of a microphone. Right. So. Well, so we're encouraging you today. Today's your chance. You got you got to just drop as many f bombs as you can. <laughs> get it out of my get system. It's completely <laughs> foul and inappropriate. You yeah. don't have to use your NPR voice. You do not. Yeah. Have, you do that's not a, that's a question NPR I have voice. later. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to the we'll NPR voice. We're uh, going to talk to Corey about open air as well as um, some other projects that he works on, including open Denver uh, open screen. But first, we're going to get some newsy bits out of the way. Find out what is recently showing up in the headlines. Um, our first one is is Carly Crunkbear. So Carly McKinney, a 23-year-old first-year wait, 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 wait. Carly Crunkbear. That's right. Okay. I love it. All right. Keep going. Sorry. So I just Car- wanna... Carly McKinney, who's a 23-year-old first-year Overland High math teacher, was busted by Nine News for posting sexy pot-referencing tweets to what she calls a, a parody Twitter account that would be at Crunkbear, which has since been taken down. Um, so, I mean, surely, all right, so some examples are, she posted on Twitter, um, just got called Ms. McCutie, points for being clever, however, you are still jailbait. To a student, a student, I'm, I'm. She's saying that a student called assuming her. Assuming that she re- referred to that, referred to as. Yes. Ms. Yes. McCutie. And she posted, uh, photos so she, of she herself was naked. Things. Photos of herself smoking something that looked like a joint. Okay. There was a post where she wrote naked, period, wet, period, stoned. Well, I think we should also say this woman is, so she's 23 years old. She looks like she could be in high school. She's yeah. very attractive. Um, and so it's, it, when I first saw the story, I'm like, this is a teacher? Yeah. You know, she yeah. really, like, she has to really get confused, like, you know, oh, yeah. confused as a student <clears throat> often, I imagine. And, uh, you know, what I think is I try to go back to my high school days. As a student, you know, if I knew that my teacher was doing this, am I going to be able to concentrate? It seems like a, a distraction. Are you no. this starved for attention that you're willing to put yourself out there? And uh, I think, you know, most people in, in the American public, they, they, they believe that they have this right to privacy when they're in public. And, sure, she's she has a right to her private life and, and what she does in her private time. But Twitter, we're talking about public forum here you yeah. know this is out in the open you know you have to take account accountability and then take responsibility for what you're actually posting out there because you're showing up every day in front of students who, who do need mentors and and ron i know you were a teacher so yeah yeah i was i started teaching when i not long after i was turned 21 so i definitely had the issues of and i and i worked at a really 
super at-risk school where most of the students were court-ordered to be there. So I had kids asking me to go smoke with them and asking me to go drink with them, asking me to buy them beer. I had girls who were just, they would attempt to be inappropriate. I had all sorts of things going on while I was there. And I, you know, I put on the the teacher role. I took on that teacher role for eight years. I cut everything out of that my college lifestyle went away when I became a teacher. I shut it off. And I definitely, uh, th- those things that did stick around, if I did go out and party with my friends and drink too much, I cer- certainly was not talking about it with my students the next day or posting anything on Twitter. So my, my big question, though, is if this is supposed to be a parody account, right? That's what she says. And she took it, it down. And Crunk Bear seems to me reasonably <laughs> anonymous. Uh, so... So how how did they figure this out? I I think her name, and I think her name was actually on there. So you have your Twitter handle, and then I think maybe her name was was posted on top of that. And that's just dumb. See, that's not a parody account. No, it's not. No, I don't believe that it was actually a parody account. I mean, she was also saying like, I'm watching a uh, drug bust happen right now in the student parking lot. Ha ha! I have weed in my car. And that's Classic. crossing a line because, that's, you know, that's on, on, on some much. level, you know, whatever she does in her own home, that's fine. But when you're talking about bringing it on school grounds, that's where a big issue comes It's true. Out. Um, but do, do they teach? I mean, so if you're going to teacher school, do they, do they teach this sort of bedside manner, you know, ism <laughs> of how teachers should behave? That's a fantastic question. I don't know. I didn't go to tradition. I mean, I took lots of education classes in college, but my undergrad was in psychology. And no, I mean, not really. It, it seems like they should address where that line is. Sort of well, like, okay, yeah. but there, there are, this when, is obvious. When you, when this you is start obvious. Teaching, when you start teaching at a school, you are typically, if you're not licensed yet, if you're young and you're just coming right out of college, you're going to be assigned some sort of a mentor who's going to be teaching you the ropes, and they're going to be checking up on you, and they're going to be monitoring you. So I'm a little concerned that the school even uh, was not noticing that this was going on before Nine News did. Right. That's, that's where it gets a little sketchy for me. Yeah. And, and I mean, the thing is, is that um, this, this case is obvious, but of course there is some sort of line, like teachers are allowed to have their own lives. They don't have to be role models 24-7. And for instance, I have a friend who um, teaches middle school level. Um, I think it's like seventh grade. And she refuses to go into a liquor store in the town she teaches in. Well, it's a big reason why I moved from Boulder. It's why I left Boulder. I used to live across the street from the school where I worked. Ugh. And, and and one of my co-workers... So when you're naked shooting fireworks out of your front yard, yeah, taking Jim I, Beam. It's just <laughs> even even whenever... I mean, I, I went to... The, reason, the big reason, the push that made me leave Boulder when I was teaching in Boulder and moved to Denver was because I went to Kinetics, you know, the, the yeah, thing in Boulder with the amphibious machines. I show up there. I'm completely sober because I know I'm going to run into my students. And the drunkest... Bikini-laden, just messy, sloppy drunk student of mine comes up to me and says hi. The next day, she says, I saw Ron and he was hammered. And yeah. I was like, no, you are shit-faced. And uh, that's your own problem to deal with. I was sober right. because of you. And then I, and that's sort of when I decided I got to get out of this town. I got to move. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I would feel very uncomfortable why would they worry about going to a liquor store, though? There shouldn't be kids in the liquor store. But parents and don't teachers have a reputation for being kind of well? Yeah, parties? this is I mean, this is they where used to. this is. Okay, they have this, summers off. It just goes hand in hand, <laughs> and they're out, and they're out at three. Right. right yeah, <laughs> you could get wasted and sober up for class the next. Morning. I I think yeah I think that's really. That's really the other thing. We're talking about this line here, but the reality is that teachers are just like everybody else. There's that normal distribution of them that party a little too hard. Right. It's typically a young job. They're usually single. Uh, often teachers are single and don't have children of their own. Huh. So it just lends very well to having a party lifestyle. But yeah, I don't think you need to be posting it publicly. I think I mean, it's worth pointing out that, you know, a lot of this is speculation. We don't know all the facts. She claims that she had a friend with her who kind of took over the account behind her back. And, you know, so some of the more racy stuff was posted by this other person, this the, other party The involved. other person is the one that took the naked pictures of her. Perhaps, perhaps. <laughs> blame it on Mr. iPhone. But, you know, you still kind of, to jump off of Ron's point, you can't be that naive. You know, you, if you're 
putting this out there, you have to be in control of it and take more of an active role rather than wait for someone that, you know, doesn't have as much on the line to take it and run with it and cross that line. Right. Yeah. All right, I think we've covered that well enough. Can I say one thing? And this is kind of a, a precursor to what we're going to talk about. But but perhaps this is why young students like Adam, Kate, and Holland are terrible at math. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. We'll come back to it. Yeah. yeah so we'll get, we'll um, next thing in the news, and this sort of was picked up over Christmas break, but we missed it. And so we're hoping you did too. Ron pointed out to us. Goosenator. Denver Parks and Rec are using the Goosenator. Which is this remote-controlled, weird, fucking scary orange thing? That it's not. Oh, all right, go and on. It, and they, anyway, they, they're using it to scare away Canada geese, um, and they're, and they're spending what three thousand dollars? The okay. R- what Ron's gonna? <laughs> this fucking thing. It's a remote-controlled airplane. That's too heavy to get off of the ground. That's what it looks like. Because it has those it's, skids. It's, it has like the... It's got the coloration of a clownfish. Think Finding Nemo. Right. A hunter orange. It's got like the, the big teethy face painted onto it like like the old fighter planes from World War One and right. World War Two, And then a dog tail. And then like, a dog like some shouty, like shitty dog legs painted onto it. It doesn't look like anything. This is not a natural predator of the... Of the Canadian slash Canada goose. We'll get into that debate later. But uh, it doesn't look like it's anything. All it is is it just. <laughs> oh, 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 don't start with me this morning. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It doesn't look like any sort of predator. It's just an RC plane that that interns for the Parks and Rec get to fly around and doesn't have easily. wings. We don't want to give the wrong impression. It, it just sort of. Rolls across the ground. It, it has skis that can go on snow and ice yeah, yeah. and water and, and land. Right, and so and you can watch the video. If you Google Goosenator, they have a video of uh, Nine News covering them using it at City uh, city Park. And the, the interesting thing is, like, this is a solution and $3,000 was spent. It, when you watch this, it's not a solution. Like, it's like the, you drive it towards the geese, and what do the geese do? They fly. They take off. And then when it goes away, they come back. They come back. It's not – I mean, you're chasing. You could you could run after them and do the same thing. It's a $3,000 <laughs> RC thing. Right. Yeah. So, Corey? I, I love it. Uh, you know? <laughs> <laughs> first of all, the, the, the first thing I thought was it looks like a traffic cone on wheels and skis. Yeah, right. You just slap some teeth on it and you're good. I feel like I could make this and maybe sell it for 300 you know, give them a discount price. But exactly. no, you, you're supporting local independent business because this is a, a local – company it creates jobs someone's got to be out there in the parks maneuvering this thing and anyone who was once a kid loves two things remote control vehicles yes and target practice yeah now i was Chief actually geese. Uh, yeah exactly and and i was watching one of the uh the news reports and i was very disappointed to find out that and they said this explicitly it's actually an unpaid intern and that they're un- sending yeah, they out did there say that to scare it away which right. I, I guess this will look great on a resume i, I don't know yeah i chased uh canada geese with a <laughs> Goosenator. Yeah. So what did you do this summer, Timmy? Ah, uh, well, yeah, no, see, I, for, my biggest complaint is, number one, it doesn't seem like it's going to do the job that they hope it's going to do. No, the geese are going to come back. Number two, it's super expensive. It's too expensive. That's too much money to be spending on this. And number three, it's not working because at all. See, my answer to number one and number three are the same. Because, I'm sorry, I live, I live right next to Garland Park. The park is nicknamed Goose Poop Park. Right. Year-round, we have a permanent flock that lives there. In the winter, we have over a 1,000 geese in this fucking park, and it's just covered and that's covered what, in goose poop. That's right. what's insane is we're in January, and a lot of people are saying, why is there so much goose shit everywhere, you know, wherever you go? And I, the point is really to try and disrupt their habits. You know, they're, they're getting cozy in these areas, and they're they hoping are. that they, if they stir uh, it up yeah, a little yeah, bit, yeah. you know, even the ap- appearance of a predator might cause them to head south for the winter <laughs> like they're keep, supposed to. It's go funny, on, go it, on. If keep you, going. Keep going south, guys. If you so, watch the Nine News thing, the guy, the parks guy keeps saying, we just want them to be natural. <laughs> Did you catch that? Yeah. He says it like, so that. we're going to chase them with a yeah. neon orange <laughs> fish. You and, know, it, this reminds me in Fort Collins. Right. I was, this, yeah. this issue in about, I think, 2007, we covered this at the paper that uh, I worked for. Um, and there, there was a big push by uh, CSU was doing research to um, give the geese birth control. 
So because they thought this is definitely the best solution because they do get very comfortable in their habitat. In fact, there were two geese who, uh, a two or three that were parked outside of the Front Range campus up in Fort Collins that were attacking people. Oh, yeah. And were, uh, you know, making people afraid to go inside. They are mean. And the, and shitting all over the sidewalk of, you know, the janitors were upset and everybody was was mad. But they, they really are uh, creatures of habit. They're, the, this little machine isn't going to make them go away. So, uh, so I'm, I'm wondering, I, I haven't followed up. It was 2007. Maybe maybe Denver needs to look into some of that birth control. Yeah. No, well, see, uh, I actually first found out about this story because Westward did a very recent piece on why they think the goosenator is a waste of time. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, the... Their their proposals was they were they were like you know just let us hunt them or mm-hmm. or have the homeless people that are hanging out in the parks chase the geese they need mm-hmm. jobs we're trying to get the homeless out of the parks why don't we just let them stay in the parks and make them useful mm-hmm. uh, and I, I do agree with that I mean first of all I think we should be able to eat those geese they are good eats they're delicious yeah and in the winter they're they're kind of slow There's you could get, you could take it down some geese I could get to a, my, I allow my daughters to chase geese in the parks in the winter only. In the summer, they're kind of aggressive because they're a smaller group and they're this is their territory. Mm. But the ones that are like visiting cousins from up north, uh, those those we chase. We, we kick soccer balls at them, and I'm just like a goddamn gooseinator, so I I move them along. You want to know my solution? Yes. We have Colorado sports teams. Those sports teams have mascots which have off-season. So why not get Dinger out there? Yeah. He's not Dinger! doing anything right now. Load up a T-shirt cannon, you That's know. <laughs> Gives them something to do. Also publicity, the Colorado yeah. Rockies. They the got kids that come out and see that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I think it's a win-win. If we're going to bring the Rockies into this, I think that we should just have the Rockies pitchers uh, try to hit They won't be able to hit them. them. Oh, there, there <laughs> Sorry, it won't happen. <laughs> they um, need the practice. <laughs> before, we, before we leave the Goosenator behind, I do want to point out that it, that it is Canada geese. There was some discussion. It's not uh, Canadian yes. geese. I grew up with Canadian geese. That's, That's no. how it was referred to me. It's incorrect. I, I understand that the Branda canadensis is officially the Canada goose. It is. Uh, and, and we have an editor in the room with us, Vanessa. Hi. Hi. So I, I hear you're the one that has turned him into the Nazi, that, that you were one of the... I, you, you I, I didn't really him. have a choice. As I said, I was editing this story for the paper that we worked at, and the context was very scientific. I couldn't... I mean, we knew a lot of people, professors, researchers, were going to be reading the story. I couldn't put Canadian geese in the story when Canada geese is what... The, you know. It's named after the country. It's not of the country. I, and I'm, I don't disagree with you. I grew up with Canadian geese, Me too. Me too. Yeah. Okay. All right. We just want to establish that there's yeah. the colloquialism and then there's the official term. Right. I'm cool with that. I checked my AP style book, and yeah, yeah, it's there. Right. Yeah, it's not a debate at this point. All right. <laughs> Moving on. So, so here's the premise. If The Tonight Show sucks with Jay Leno. Which it does. Which it does. And if Coco, who is? Conan. Conan, Conan. O'Brien. Yes, right. right. If Coco was the heir apparent to the Carson throne, which he was. Which he was. Then Denver's current generation of comics has vaulted one of its own to the top, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Correct. Adam, I like Adam your Holland, logic. Adam Cain Holland on uh, Tuesday night was on Conan O'Brien. Yes, he was. was. Yes, he was. Yeah. Yes, he was. Yeah, we were. Uh, there was a group of us that gathered up at Illegal Pete's downtown, watched it, watched the recording, uh, watched it go down. We were. Uh, Virgil was uh, marketing director. Was texting Adam back and forth from L.A. and. Oh really? Trying to figure out when to when to turn the sound down, uh, turn the music down in the bar, and turn the TV. Oh up. right, right. And and within like thirty seconds of Conan starting, there were like fifteen people that were coming up to us where we were sitting and saying, excuse me, could we please turn the music off? We're trying to watch Conan O'Brien here. <laughs> <laughs> and most of the bar was there to see Adam. And when, when his name popped up on the screen, people just erupted in applause. Really? It was huge. It was huge applause. Um, so I think that's awesome. Yes, and I do, th- I do think, yes, th- he's been vaulted to the top. It is a big deal. It is a big deal. Mm-hmm. And it was a big deal for him, too. And uh, I'll be completely transparent about my bias. I completely side, my, my allegiance sides with Conan. You know? And I think Jay Leno grew up in this, this more performer aspect of, of the show business. And Conan is very much entrenched in that, that writer, you know, that witty style where it's more clever and it's more calculated. And that is right up Adam King Holland's alley. You know? And he, he had blogged about it prior to going on the show saying this guy is one of my heroes i love this guy apparently i didn't see this but i didn't watch the entire hour i just caught the 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 segment with adam apparently 
uh, Conan committed the atrocious crime of referring to him as Adam Clayton, Clayton Holland uh, yeah. at some point. You know, I think it was uh, earlier yes. in the show. It was at the beginning yeah. when he was uh, introducing the guests. I watched the entire show, actually. See, we didn't have really the sound turn. See, the crowd would have been furious yeah. and just revolted on yeah. Conan if we had known that. Andy, though, uh, Conan sidekick Andy, he corrected him. Good. Did he? he did? Yeah. Andy Richter, the, the man now, of did the people. Did yeah. they get the, the, the emphasis on the right syllable? Because Adam, the way he says his last name is different. Caton Holland. Caton Holland. It's right. not, it's not Caton Holland. Right. Caton Holland. I think as that's all, as, as if it's all atrocious as Clayton for sure. No, no. I think no, it's, it's forgivable. <laughs> I actually missed the, the live version of it, but I did watch his jokes on, um, Vimeo or YouTube or yeah, one of the, one of the, one of the, one of the Conan channels. Um, and I've, I've seen that material before and I've seen Adam in many different situations from, uh, Fillmore to Squire Lounge and, and he seemed kind of natural. Yeah, he was comfortable. I think one of his hallmarks lately, you know, particularly he's really honed uh, his confidence, and you saw that Mm -hmm. in this performance. And, you know, when you're talking this type of gig, there are two audiences that matter, which is interesting because in a a nightclub, you have one audience that you have to be concerned about. In this case, you have the TV audience, uh, the people who are actually at the studio, uh, and people were laughing. You know, he got a great response from the live audience. And then you have the, the national audience, everybody who's catching it on the screen. And I think the material that he put together... It was a great mix. You know, he talked, yeah. he made uh, notorious B.I.G. references. He made uh, references to, to Montessori schools, to the South. And so I think there was something in there for everybody, no matter where you were watching, to connect with them. And I, I love that. And I, I think that it's, I mean, I, I, I tend to agree with you, but I think a, a lot of Adam's humor is, um, is even if you see him perform and it's, and it lasts, he does like a 45 minute set, you sort of get a sense for his character and viewpoint. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, I think that, and I think this is true with a lot of what they call alt comics right now, um, is that it's not one off jokes. They don't carry as well as, as if you're spending some time with this comic. So in, in, in that sense, I think that people that were unfamiliar with him or didn't know who he was might not have, you know, they didn't get the best of Adam. They didn't get the best of Adam, right? I, I mean, for me, and this is that you know how I, I love all of the Grolic sides. Adam, in particular. I mean, like Josh said, I've been, I, 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 I mean, I've been following him since he was writing for Westward, sure. and uh, I love. He is definitely, I mean, top ten favorite comics across period. the board. Period. Right. Um, and so it was really. I think it's. It was a little bit hard to watch. All of that material come together without the story. Adam, the way the reason that I love him as a comic and that he is in my top ten is because he is a comic and an artist. Right. There are a lot of comedians who don't bring art to their work. They just kind of bring, you know, oh, this is going to get some kind of cheap jokes, you know, cheap laughs or something like that. Right. Adam is very much an artist. Yeah, he's writerly. And it's and as are all of the Grelix guys and a lot of our our local comedians, which makes Denver such an awesome place to see comedy, is that we have establish this as the storytelling comedian kind of i don't know if it's a capital but it's really you know that's what our scene is like and so to see uh i i I don't think adam could have done it i don't know what else he would have done he had a very short time i mean to actually squeeze art into something that as Corey said you're you're talking about a television audience a very mainstream you know i mean it's it's not what we're used to seeing i'm used to seeing adam you know, using very bad language jokes he would never be able to tell on television are my favorite, obviously. Sure. Um, but I do agree he did. He was very, very comfortable. And so he came off like, I he mean, just great. very professionally. That was it was it was presented that way. We were having we were having a drinking contest. There was there was a small group of us having you a drinking. S- the drinking contest was if you hear a joke you've never heard Adam tell before, take a drink. Uh, None of us drank. <laughs> we, it was all jokes that Adam did before. But, you know, the the other comics that were there. Uh, like I, I said that to Timmy last day. I was like, you want to play the drinking game? She's like, no, that's, that's stupid. He shouldn't do any joke that he hasn't yeah, practiced that's 100% a thousand true. times yeah. and that you've heard a thousand times. Yeah. He's picking out the ones that he knows work, that are clean, and that as best as possible carry a narrative. So he sort of went through uh, his – he started out with the opener that establishes his character, that, that he's – He's this white guy, but he's got this sort of like edgy, I like hip hop side to him. Mm-hmm. And then he takes you sort of through his childhood, yeah. uh, going to school, growing up and all that sort of thing. And touching on the implications, you know, uh, 
Vanessa, you mentioned the, the Grawlicks crew. This is huge. This is not huge just for Adam Keaton. No, Holland. it's big for Denver. This is big for the three Grawlicks guys. Yeah. This is big for Denver, all of the, the comedy scene. And you talk more and more to these guys, and they have so many connections that they've made across the country. And they say these these people, these these comics from outside of Colorado, now they've got Denver on their list. They they love coming here. You know, they love the audiences. They, they understand that it's a very smart crowd of, of comics that are performing here every night. And this is a big boost for sure. They're they're personally responsible for more flights straight to LA from Denver. Oh yeah, more direct flights as a result of the growlings. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like the the what fine uh, too much fun is which yeah, is Wednesday. Fine, fine gentlemen's club. Yeah, yeah they had fun. two comics from LA last night. Yeah, they had Sean they had Sean Patton last night. I, I didn't. I forget the names. It was just. It, uh, it, yeah. I'm sure it was Sean. It was probably Sean Patton. Yeah. Anyway, I assume so because he's in he's in town right now. Anyway. Yeah. Congrats, Adam. Yeah. Yeah. Big deal. Adam. Yeah. Um, that's it for the newsy bits, listeners. Oh, can I, I'm sorry. Can I can I jump? Can I jump, jump in? Because Joel's gonna want me to do this. He's gonna. Otherwise, we're gonna have to listen to him do it later. I'm gonna plug his 5280. Oh, of course. Jo- of course. Uh, in the, I apologize in the new- for not doing that. No, in the newest issue of 5280 magazine, our co-host Joel Warner wrote a feature about the Grawlix Boys and the Nix Brothers, uh, Nix Brothers Films, uh, producing their pilot for Amazon. Uh, those who can't. You just so- took my love. Oh, I'm so I'm out of love and hate. I'll I'll help I'll help uh, you out during the musical okay. break. I'll hook you up with something. No, I, I, was, I don't genuinely love it. I'm not going to take a love, <laughs> take a love, <laughs> or a hate. I just, Is that your new album? <laughs> I just wanted to throw. I, Joel, I can get that on the radio. <laughs> I wanted to throw Joel off so he can't use it later on. For he his used own. it last week, didn't he? He, did, he mentioned, mentioned it, it. Week, dropped it, but it probably. wasn't online yet. So okay, it's online now. It's online. Go read it. Anyway, it's anyway, anyway. Love. All right. <laughs> Listeners, if you ever want to share a news story with us, rant about something we said, or shower us with gifts of catheters and depends, please leave a comment on denverdiatribe.com, like us on Facebook, or drop a line at 720-282-YELL. That's yell. This week's episode is brought to you by Illegal Pete's. Tonight at their Evans location over by DU, they will host Spelling Beer. Yeah. Yes, it's a unique take on the spelling B. Contestants who advance beyond the first round will receive a free beer for each round that they continue. It should get sloppy. <laughs> when you say tonight, we're talking about Thursday. Oh, yes, it is. Shit. Thursday, January 31st. Yeah, January sorry. 31st. And so then you'll by, be hearing by, the time you're, by the time you're listening to this, yeah, uh, go to the one downtown right. uh, in two weeks. Right. Just just go to the Illegal Pete's site. So you, you missed that one. But... Uh, Anyway, next time. Maybe We're going to take a quick musical break. Um, this is Denver songstress Cello Negro. Can I say something? Please do. Uh, anybody that has equal love for Outlaw Country and Wu-Tang Clan has a special spot in my heart, and that is Cello Negro.
That was Flatlands by Chelinegro. Check out Chelinegro on February 8th with CPR Open Air and Radio 1190 Local Shakedown. Um, presenting Chimney Choir, Princess Music, Two Tone Wolf Pack, Sawmill Joe, as well as Chelinegro and The Charm. Um, that's February 8th, 7 p.m. at Oriental Theater. Our guest likely knows something about that show. We welcome Corey Jones, who is an open-air DJ weekdays from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m., which includes the Colorado music feature, Mile High Noon. He's also involved with the filmmaker, Open Mic, Open Screen Night. Welcome. You've been here the whole time, but... I yeah, but I'm just now you. settling in. I feel like I've, I've yeah. hit my stride, guys. Yeah. <laughs> um, so let's, let's talk about your day job. You are a disc jockey. I, I'm, we prefer the term host. Oh, you do? Yeah, we do. Because it's NPR. <laughs> yes, there's a certain uh, level of class involved in it. No, I, I don't know. It's, it's you're not tomatoes, right. you're tomatoes. Not, you're not sitting around writing uh, vinyl discs? Disc jo- yeah, disc jockeys <laughs> sound sexier. I'm, I'm not sitting around doing my best Howard Stern impression. We'll put it that way. So open air, it's a little over a year old, right? It was a year yeah, in October. Yeah. Uh, October 31st, 2011 is when we launched. And I have to, I have to say that I'm, I'm really pleased with what you, what you guys are doing. When, when I heard the announcement that, that you were going to take on music in that way, I really thought it was uh, filling a void for sure, and that, that void being me. You know, like, <laughs> who, listens, who was listening to, like, WXPN out of Philadelphia online before that? Right. Because I couldn't get any other access to me music <laughs> yeah and and you know you're not the only one who was who was hungry for something that 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 was fresh and that was playing a lot of bands that are talented artists and that deserve to be heard but they're, they're just not heard on on a lot of radio stations and that's interesting that you bring that up josh because you also have uh, the current in in the twin cities which mm-hmm. is a public radio station you have kxp out in seattle you have kcrw in la and these are stations that play uh, some great new music you know they, they scour the globe for it and then they also focus on their respective scenes, and that's very important. And they become a source for, for that material. So I tune in to KEXP to, to find out what's new in Seattle, who, who are those new local bands that are up and coming. Uh, you know, th- those are the, the, the stations that are playing the head and the heart before anybody else. Or, yeah, right. or you know, uh, in the, the Currents case, uh, uh, maybe Bon Iver. And so that's that our, our programming, our model is definitely uh, kind of modeled after those other stations yeah. and they're successful models and they're needed they're, they're very necessary it seems like this is in line with um over over the last decade that npr has kind of picked up on this like so like what we would call indie for lack of an, a genre term appropriate or broad enough to right. to be inclusive like if the december is releasing an album they're going to go to npr first yeah. you know like the first listen and all that well, so is this i mean was that in consideration that npr had captured this area of music that was underrepresented here's the thing you know we are a part of colorado public radio open air 13:40 a.m. In, in denver and then openaircpr.org to stream it online we are the third service offered through cpr so you have npr and cpr news you have classical and now open air and we're very confident that we are a true extension of what was already going on there you know sure. in-depth balanced content with with an interesting perspective uh, hosts who are very passionate about what they're reporting on or the music that they're talking about and i think that 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 runs parallel with with npr's ideals you know and and we want to be exposing people to new sounds and and new ideas and there's depth to this content just like in an npr news story you know Mm -hmm. that makes sense yeah, it does. How do you how do you think it's working out? What's your listenership like? Uh, you know, it's growing. We're still brand new. We're still in the the experiencing some growing pains. But the the thing is, uh, we like to say that uh, everybody at, at Open Air, our, our blood is AMFM positive. You know, we we have a lot of confidence in what we're doing, and we have a, a true passion for radio and and what radio can do. Now, beyond that, I mean, you can tune in and, and listen to a lot of great new music, a lot of great Colorado music. But beyond that, we're also trying to supplement our programming with other things. And that means getting out into the community. And, and uh, you know, we've got a website with some great content. We're starting to get involved with more events. And, and we see a lot of overlap. You know, we were talking earlier about just arts in general and comedy in general in Denver. There's a lot of these scenes that are thriving and you can really start to connect the dots, which is awesome. And so, you know, the uh, next week we are on board with uh, the Greater Than Collective's Greater Than Social Club, which mm-hmm. is happening, I think, the first Wednesday of every month, which happens to be uh, the, the, the sixth. sixth, yeah, uh, at, at Lanny's mm-hmm. Clock Tower, a cabaret in the basement. Uh, Andrew Orvidal, 
local mm-hmm. comedian yep. is hosting. A Tom Collins, great local band, is playing, and just a, a great example of how these scenes are, are really overlapping. We did a, a great screening of a film called The Aviation Cocktail at the the C Film Center, which is kind of the home of the uh, the Denver Film Society, and this is a low-budget, uh, independent feature film that was made by a Colorado native, David Higgins, and uh, Wilson Helmrichs of Snake, Rattle, Rattle, Snake did the score, and we thought that's a great component, cool. that's a great tie-in. Why not, you know, uh, screen this film and, and have people come and see it? It sold out three different screenings at the, the last Denver Film Festival, and we haven't really seen an opportunity for it to be viewed since then, so we're like, let's step up, and, and we love cinema we love music here's where it kind of meets in the middle so yeah. so we got we got to back up what what is your <laughs> what is your background because you you got the you got the radio thing going on but you're also huge into film too here in town so what yeah. how did are you you're and you're a local boy i, I am a local boy you say that no you're making no. it up where are you from uh arvada colorado okay right on beautiful arvada. not to be confused with aurora by yeah, by right. many outsiders <laughs> yeah, right. oh right arvada that's the one to the it's, east it's, it's the burbs yeah okay and then and then uh and then arvada's like, west i'm making a joke it was being a joke all right, that was being facetious. Funny. All Sorry, right okay being, that's the one to the east i didn't right? know you had a sense of humor until that point <laughs> <wrong>. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Nice job. All right. Uh, no, I was trying to figure out um, what, what did you go to school for? Or how, Journalism. How did... I, I, you know, okay. I, at heart, I'm a storyteller. I love telling stories, particularly true stories. Uh, and so I went. I wanted to be a writer, you know, and, and I did some, some gigs, did some freelancing, and was working up at uh, the college station at CU Boulder where I was getting my degree at Radio 1190. And, and it was a great kind of entry point into the world of radio. Now, I'm a big music person. Uh, as a Denver native, I've always been invested in what's going on here in the, the local music scene. And this was one way that I could further pursue that. I never thought it would be a, a career path. I never thought I would realize that as a, a just job opportunity. It was always kind of a hobby. And, you know, I, I was always told, you're, you're pretty good at what you do. And I, nah, nah, nah. And actually, you are. And so uh, when I caught wind of, of this new station popping up, I thought, I got to apply, you know, and, and see what happens. And here we are. So Cool. And then, and then how, did that, how does that dovetail with film? Because, I mean, open screen night is... Is also one of your your big babies here. Yeah, and I, I should I should point out that this is a completely different entity. The, open, the word "open" is yeah. just coincidence, and, right? You know, with open air and open screen night, we love open things. But no, open air is is the radio uh, part of Colorado Public Radio, and uh, I would say open screen night is kind of my pet project. And you know, just I've always had an interest in the arts and 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 film and. Uh, a couple buddies and I, Nate Emsick and Benjamin Witte, uh, we started this about a year and a half ago. We launched it. It's the last Tuesday of every month at the Oriental. And we do emphasize the open. There are similar programs uh, that uh, exist throughout Denver, but you know, our, the, our dif- what differentiates us is you can just show up. If you're a local filmmaker or a local videographer, you show up with your short film, you submit it, and we'll toss it on the big screen. Because it's a thrill for people to be mm-hmm. able to not only see it on a big screen, but also have it shown in front of an audience. That's right. something it's, new. It's an open mic for films. Exactly. Is, we kind of yeah. like to tout it as, as Sundance meets Gong Show. And we're also working on, on a... Uh, <laughs> gong? Gong. Gong. You're working on a gong? <laughs> no, seriously, it's a great idea. No, no, no. Could, like, I mean, figuratively, maybe. Yeah. Maybe, right, maybe, right, right. Maybe we'll, we'll develop have, that Have aspect. the director stand on the screen. Because you must get some horrible, horrible shit. We do, and, and so we're trying to uh, kind of develop that that audience participation, that engagement aspect as well. Right. And uh-huh. we want the audience to have a voice because we don't want it just to be a, a crowd full of filmmakers. We want people to come out and support what's going on in the local videography and, and film yeah. scenes and have a say. And so, you know, people can vote if they're not liking what they're seeing on on uh, the screen or they can, you know, at the end of the night, we choose top three, uh, the top three flicks based on um, – uh, the winner is decided by audience vote, which is awesome. And That's awesome. What's cool is, you know, we we get a, a great variety of content from music videos to web series, uh, comedic web series to short documentaries. So it really is a great av- avenue for somebody who uh, just wants their work to be seen to come out and, and screen it. And on the other hand, something we, we didn't anticipate was the networking aspect. You know, if you're a local actor, come out, see some of these films. And if you like somebody's style, get in touch with them. Say, hey, you know, director, I, I loved what you were doing. And um, uh, maybe we can work on something together. And we've seen that kind of cultivate. And so after about a year and a half, uh, we've built that solid core. And, and now we're trying to next level it for sure. So Excellent. when you, you have about how many 
uh, screenings do you have per event? And are they are they based on like do you put a time limit on them or? Yes. So generally, it has to be shorter than than fifteen minutes. You know, we do stay in the the short film realm. Um, I would say you know we we get about an average right now of of ten to fifteen submissions a night, and they range from you know we've had thirty second pieces, we've had four minute pieces, we've had uh, fifteen uh, minute pieces, and. Uh, in the end, uh, you know, sometimes <laughs> just, just the diversity is, is, is thrilling enough because it keeps it fresh, you know, and, and it keeps kind of things rolling, which is, is great. And, you know, sometimes we're willing to kind of go over the, the two-hour window limit when there's enough content. But we're getting to the point where the content, the amount of content is starting to uh, be more than the time we're allotted. And that's where, you know, hopefully the, the audience component comes in. Is there any sort of censorship of content? No, no, no. I mean, honestly, it's it's open. You show up with your film, and um, and and we're screening it. And I mean, we've had lava, uh, like lava shorts. Some guy just going out and, and filming lava shots, you know. And that sounds awesome. It it was yeah, very it does uh, kind of sound very awesome. simple, yeah. <laughs> but but quite awesome. So it's it's everything under the sun, which is awesome. We uh, the, this last one we had uh, our top three. One of them ended up being a music video by a, a local group called Solar Music. Uh, Matty O'Connor uh, brought a, uh, a short as well called Guns, Drugs, and Synergy. It was kind of like a, a tale about the Mexican drug scene and, and uh, kind of like action meets comedy. It was awesome. Matty O'Connor oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. also saw just that. did. We yeah, saw we, that at, at Laugh Track. Uh, yeah, Laugh yeah. Track. and he uh, just did a Grawlix piece called Good Cop, Good Cop. Good Cop, Good Cop, oh, which was on the front page of Funny or Die. Yeah. It's pretty good. And then uh, Nelson Goforth uh, brought in this great uh, kind of like film noir, and it was shot a lot. A lot of it was shot at uh, Union Station called Web of Lies. So those were the top three. And you look at that, and that's definitely a, a, a slice of the, the diversity. But I would say to kind of bring this full circle, there's a lot of talent here in Denver, and I'm drawn to that, you know, whether it's music, whether it's art, whether it's film. And I love the opportunity to showcase this talent. And so, you know, that very much aligns with kind of my passions. So you have the open screen night on the one hand, then open air with the, the music component on the other hand. It's awesome. So this isn't something that you're directly involved with, but it's kind of a newsy story that CPR is launching a Arts Bureau and online hub. Do you want to explain what that is? Yeah, definitely. So as I was kind of alluding to earlier, you know, we're seeing a lot of these uh, components really kind of uh, come to fruition. And, and, and this is primarily a news initiative, but it, it'll be a big boost for open air as well as the, the classical music station. Basically, Colorado Public Radio uh, was gifted a $900,000 grant from the Bonfies Stanton Foundation, which is huge, mm -hmm. for three years. And the focus of it is to increase arts coverage in the, the Denver, Boulder metro area and, and even across the state. And so basically to kind of uh, – this is – a great way to, to supplement what's going on and, and really just bring new energy to, to what we have to offer and, and, and also expanding our digital, our, our online presence and, and our social media outreach as well because um, this will allow us to, to really, uh, I would say, propel a lot of what's going on sure. here in, uh, in the local arts scene. So in Open Air's case, you know, this is a great opportunity because, like I said, we are starting to get into the mix of, of local comedy and, and local films on top of the music and it just it, it makes perfect sense, and it's a very organic model that, uh, that 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 they're going for, which is fantastic. And in the end, it's just an online arts hub that that really pushes what's going on uh, in these communities in, in Colorado. Right. That sounds fat. I like. Yeah, that sounds great. Awesome. Especially, I mean, mm -hmm. with with uh, the AV Club Denver now gone. Exactly. Yeah, there's right. this, this big void. void right yeah. now that needs to be filled. And there's also and we're not doing it. We're, not, <laughs> we're, we're not. trying, but we're not filling it. There's also, uh, you know, it's it's. I'm I'm happy to hear about this in light of not just AV Club going out, but there uh, there was a p recently. Um, I read a story about, and I never watched it before, so I might be the problem. But there was a, a Rocky Mountain PBS show that was all about the arts yeah. in Denver, um, and it was. It's gone unfunded. It's off the air now. Uh, so, you know, one of the things that I think Westward is where I read it. They were talking about was here's yet another um, void, coming. you know, in yeah, the in yeah. the coverage. So it's really awesome and to read about this. So the art does a great job across the board. I think we're talking arts news. We're talking you know arts information, a listing of events, and you know performances, interviews, that kind of stuff. So we are trying to hit this on all points. And uh, once again, it's it's our new staff, CPR News that's uh, really kind of heading this. And so they're, they're currently in the process of looking for uh, the editor, 
to, to be in charge of this arts hub, this arts bureau. And, um, you know, at that point, a lot of the details will we'll start, you know, fleshing them out and, and really kind of getting down to the nitty gritty and, and knowing more explicitly what this is, is going to entail or yeah. what the, the final product will be like. Yeah. So um, when you're when you're at office, at the office at CPR and you go to the water cooler and you run into Ryan Warner, does does he talk to you in that voice? Is that his everyday voice? It, it is not his everyday voice, but but it's similar. He's definitely got the radio voice. We actually share a, a studio uh, wall and a window with Ryan Warner, so he's doing his Colorado Matters stuff generally about the same time that I'm on the air on <laughs> open air. And, you know, I, I love music, and sometimes the, the moment, you're just in the moment, and you turn up a song or, you know, I'll start kind of like drumming on the table. Right. And there's a way that you can communicate uh, between studios just by pushing a button and, and you can speak over the, the speakers and through the microphones. And sometimes he has to reprimand me <laughs> in, that, in that voice. In that voice. He, <laughs> he says, and if there, you, you really don't want to be sent to your room by Ryan Warner, no. let's put it that way. But he's like, you know, Corey Jones, can, can you keep it down a little bit? I'm trying to do some real work. Yeah, the important stuff. The important stuff. <laughs> the Colorado Matters stuff. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Corey Jones is, uh, as we said, he's on air. Um, 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. on open air. Um, and at noon, you do Mile High Noon, where you focus for an hour, right, on Colorado uh, You know, it's, music, it's, it's, it's a set it's of music. Set. It's a couple sets, sometimes an hour. You know, it, it ranges. And it's sometimes you do, and this is really impressive, and I, and I think this was your initiative, right, to record live bands, live Colorado bands. Oh, yeah. Utilize the studio there. Oh, yeah, that's a hallmark of what we're doing at, at Open Air and, and at Colorado Public Radio is we have this state-of-the-art, great performance studio. We have a, a, an incredible studio engineer, Dave Fender, who does all the, the recording and the, the mixing and the mastering. And we get bands to come in and, and perform in this studio, and they're very intimate performances. It's a great setting and uh, just another way for us to kind of uh, highlight what's going on here in, in the Colorado music scene. And, and we have a couple of releases as well, Colorado Live and Local Volume 1 and Colorado Live and Local Volume 2, each of them featuring great performances, Colorado bands who have come in, a song from from many of them on these collections, and um, those are available for, for members when, when you make a pledge to become a member. But, uh, yeah, it's just another way for us to showcase this wealth of talent, which is yeah. fantastic. Yeah, it's great. All right, we're going to move on to uh, Love and Hate segment. This is where we love and hate on something Colorado-Denver-related. Um, Corey, I guess, do you have a love or hate? Yeah, well, this is actually quite topical considering what we've been – some of the stuff we've been talking about this hour – uh, you know, this pertains to Colorado's image and, and people's perception that Colorado is still very much a cow or Denver is a cow town and Colorado is a, a you know, cowboy state. I've been to places outside of the state where you talk to people and they think, oh, you, you still ride horses to work out there, right? And like, no, that's not Colorado. And what drives me crazy is flying back into Denver, into DIA, Getting off the plane, making your way, you know, across the concourses, uh, going up the escalator, and the first thing that you see is somebody standing there who works for DIA wearing a Canadian tuxedo. Exactly. You know, (laughs) covered head to toe in denim with a vest on and a cowboy hat and cowboy boots. You know, I just, I don't think that's, that's very conducive to, to helping Colorado rebrand its image. And, you know, most of these people perhaps who have been to, or who are coming to Denver for the first time are probably thinking, oh man, I'm going to leave this airport and get escorted to the city via horse. Yeah, right. Well, I mean, especially when you come in out there, because they yeah, are yeah, surrounded yeah. by, you're in you rural are in the middle of it's nowhere. Very, yeah, it's very... Emerging into a crowd of teepees. It's very deceiving, because yeah. you get out of the airport and there's nothing there, but... I, I, you know, maybe we can start offering stagecoach rides to and from downtown right. to the airport. And, and, and I mean, to put it in context, you can't imagine another city playing up a cliche in that way. Te- oh, yeah, Texas. Dallas. Texas would do it, oh, right. Totally. But I mean, in New York, all right? So if you get off JFK and you walk up, what, is, what would it be? You'd be like, well, forget about it. Something. Right? Hey, Slinging pizzas. Hey, yeah, right. Slinging pizzas. A rocket or something yeah, on Broadway. Right. Like, I don't know. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So, right. yeah, I've got a hate on that. It's just, it's always drove, driven me nuts. Ron, I'm, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna love on uh, the saga of my traffic lights. The new ones are finally in, and they're fucking fabulous. Thank you, City of Denver. Now fix the sidewalks, and I'll be totally happy. And then I'm gonna hate on. We're, we've we've been talking about upgrading our mixer, and I've been trying to sell the old one on Craigslist. I'm gonna hate on every motherfucker that has emailed me about. Selling, uh, it's the, the worst. It's like you're selling, because I know I'm selling to like a DJ or some like contemplative person that's like, 
uh, maybe I'll become a musician. And that's the fucking person I'm dealing with. So they'll, th- it's emails like, hey, you got that uh, mixer? Yeah, are you interested? I don't know, man. You're kind of far away. <laughs> or, I don't know. I don't know. Would you would you take twenty dollars for it? And yeah, it's oh, it's the worst. It's the worst. So anyway, I'm hate, hating on lackadaisical Craigslist buyers. Make your decision. That's Hagg- just the nature Haggle. of Craigslist. Haggle's awesome, but don't don't email me if you're not sure whether you want it or not. That's right, Vanessa. Um, since Ron took my love for Joel's I'm story. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to love on uh, the Boulder Valley Humane Society. I had to uh, bail my cat out of kitty jail this week. It was very bad. And they have a wonderful website. And maybe this, uh, maybe other cities have this too. I'm sure they do. I haven't lost uh, a pet in a long time. But they put the pictures right on the website. So you go to the website. If you're, I stayed up all night long. Just like, you know, these, ca- these cats are like my kids. Terrified, worried because it was freezing outside and snowing, and I just kept seeing my cat's corpse frozen in the snow somewhere. Mm-hmm. When I could have just gotten on their website overnight and seen my cat's picture there. So along with it was pretty really funny. Nice, along with really, a bunch, really of, along with a bunch of other pictures of other other cats. It's like our local version of the Daily Squee. It's all these cute little. Animals. <laughs> there's some. There's some. There's some sad animals too. It's but. true. No, it's true. And and also at the same time, I was when I went to pick him up. There were so many people there adopting animals. They really don't keep a lot of animals uh, oh, around bolder. a long time. It's, it's, it was really great to see that. You, you, know, you hate thinking of huge. animals getting euthanized or something like that, and I don't think it happens at, very often in Boulder. Mm. So as much as I hated on Boulder last week, I'll give it some love this week. Yeah. Adopt an elk. Um, <laughs> I've got a love this week, and it's actually going to be very – it's a very uh, selfish love. But I've – being criticized for not doing enough to promote this. I have a column that on HeyReverb.com yeah. called Steal Steal This Track that uh, publishes Mondays and essentially what it is is free um, downloads of MP3s from Colorado musicians. So it's fantastic. I got to say, I'm a big fan. Hey, thanks. I appreciate that. So that's why I'm loving on it because I never really mention it. About time. Yeah. <laughs> Good job. Anyway, well, that's all the love and hate we have for this week. If you'd like to share a little of your own love and hate, please leave us a brief message at 720-282-YELL. That's YELL. That's 720-282-9355. Our theme music is by TJ Miller from his extended play EP. And our web hosting is provided by BlueChannel.com. For more information about Denver Diatribe or any of our guests, check out our website, DenverDiatribe.com. Or search for Denver Diatribe on Twitter or Facebook. My name is Josh. On behalf of my co-hosts, Ron Doyle and Vanessa Martinez, and our very special guest, Corey Jones. Thanks for listening. Haven't you heard the birds at the words Denver? High average income, roll like big spenders. Affordable housing, good money lenders. Low obesity, there's no need for suspenders. Check your calendar.